he was determined to stay up here making announcements until he got an applause. So he had like three more in case. But uh, well, this morning we are sorry. This morning we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter five verses sixteen through twenty-four. So go ahead and turn there. This is um, a pretty big text, uh, not just big significantly, but it's a big text. Um, we're going to be covering a lot. And really, there's so much we could dig into here. Um, I had considered splitting this into two or three texts for sermons. Um, but I wanted to keep it together to highlight not only the small details, but the context that Paul is writing in. Certainly warning in the text today, but it is written with a hopeful, optimistic direction by Paul. So let's get into it and work through it. And if you're able to stand, go ahead and do that and follow along as I read Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us that you display through your word. And so help us, we pray today, help us to hear from you through your word. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's start here by remembering verse 15. Remembering that in verse 15, in the context of calling the Galatians to freedom and explaining that freedom in Christ is expressed through loving your neighbor, Paul says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. The text today is often pulled out of that context. It's read or it's remembered as a standalone text, a message on its own. But we need to read and remember and understand this text in the context that it was written in and then learn from that. Paul says, don't bite and devour one another, but walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. To walk by the Spirit 
is Paul calling them and calling us, but Paul calling these Galatians to give themselves to the work of the Spirit every single day. We are called to follow Jesus, to follow our King, and that is what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads us, directs us in following Jesus. David Platt says of this verse or this text, this is not a deeper life or higher life. This is the normal Christian life. The way that you and I should be dealing with our sin is not simply by saying no to the works of the flesh, but rather also saying yes to the Spirit's work to purposefully, purposefully seek to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. It's a call to walk in step with the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit in order to walk away from the sinful desires of the flesh. But Paul isn't saying here that you just kind of make this decision and boom. Life is easier and sin is a thing of the past. This is a battle, a daily, moment-by-moment battle between the spirit and the flesh. So there's this tension in this verse. On one hand, believers must choose to live by the spirit, to walk by the spirit. On the other hand, the spirit empowers believers to live a life pleasing to God. But we're not above or somehow shielded from the desires of the old self. Those desires continue to call us. They're tempting. They're attractive. And so Paul is saying, this is necessary. Walk by the Spirit so that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And and he's saying in context here, this is freedom. This is what freedom looks like. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Here's the tension. The flesh and the Spirit are against each other. They cannot walk together. They want completely different things. They offer completely different things, opposing things. And it's true for all of us. We all live in this tension. Let me ask you, how would you answer this question? Don't, don't call out your answer. Just kind of sit in this for a minute, okay? How would you answer this question? What is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? If you had to answer that, if someone came up to you and asked you, what's wrong with the world? What would you answer? How would you respond to that? G.K. Chesterton once responded to a newspaper article that invited people to respond to that question. Do you know what his answer was? I am. I'm what's wrong with the world. I am. It's my sin. 
It's my works of the flesh. It's me that's wrong with the world. That's true for all of us. Our sin, our sin runs deep, and we're desperate for grace. What Paul is saying here is, is like what he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8. In Romans 6, Paul says that the believer has already died with Christ and has been raised with Christ. And the result of that truth is that the power of sin no longer rules over a person who is in Christ. Why? Because you're not under the law, but under grace, which is exactly what Paul says in the next verse of our text today. So now the inability that he seems to describe in verse 17 is similar to what he wrote in Romans chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. Just listen to uh, what he writes to the Romans there. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This is a battle, Paul is saying, both in Romans and in Galatians, a battle we cannot win without the work of the Spirit. We must Yield to the Spirit, Spirit daily. So think about this context. Here are these Galatians who are considering stepping back into the world of the flesh by getting circumcised as a means of acceptance before God and, and identification with God's people. And Paul's saying to them, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. You're not going to get what you want out of this. But even what he writes here and in Romans 7, Paul clearly believes that Christians are able to resist the works of the flesh and see the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. That's what we see coming in the verses. That's why Paul is writing what he writes here. Walk by the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit so that you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul's seriousness here is obvious. This is a decision, Galatians, between life and death. He goes on in verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is a wonderful and hopeful truth. If you're led by the Spirit, if you're yielding to the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're no longer belonging to the old era of redemptive history. You've been set free. Again, it's a picture of Exodus. The Spirit leads God's people from the old era of slavery to the 
slavery to the law and into the new era, the promised inheritance. In verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. So the question is, how can we know? How can we know if we are walking according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? How can the Galatians know? The Galatians are being deceived. Someone has come in and teaching them something that is false. They certainly want to be a part of God's kingdom. Even in the shift of direction to falsehood, they're wanting to be a part of God's kingdom, to be a part of His people, but they're led astray. So how can we know and Paul says here, it's obvious what the works of the flesh are. Now, let me say here before we get into that, the fact that Paul says this demonstrates even more why we must be led by the Spirit. The fact that he says, this is obvious what the works of the flesh are. It demonstrates even more why we must be led by the Spirit. Because as we're going to see, these Galatians probably didn't think that all of the things that he mentions in this list were obvious. But Paul makes it clear here. It's, it's like he's saying to them, you know, you know perfectly well what these are. We, we need to know that this list of the works of the flesh is not a complete list, okay? This is not a list of check marks. They are specific to the context of Galatia. In the context of church conflict in Galatia, and that's what Paul's addressing, Paul says it is obvious that the flesh will bring about such things as, as factions, as divisions, And as we see in the coming verses, the Spirit will produce things that com combat division. So especially as it pertains to Galatia, what does it look like to be led by the flesh? He begins with three general words for sexual misconduct, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Sexual immorality refers most often to sex with a prostitute can also mean a more general sexual sin, but most often in the Greek it means, refers to uh, sex with a prostitute. Impurity or uncleanness refers to behavior that makes you dirty. Sensuality or licentiousness refers to the kind of behavior that has cast off normal restraint or control. And Paul's, Paul's point here is this is self-centeredness. This is not living for Christ or living according to the Spirit, it's, it's rooted in selfishness, a desire to please self. He goes on, idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Idolatry and sorcery were two of the basic behaviors characteristic of any ancient pagan society. When I was editing my sermon, reading through my sermon the first time to edit, it said, 
Idolatry and soccer were two of the basic behaviors characteristic. That may be true, but it's not the context. These would have been for a Jew two things that pointed at the real problem in their minds. This is the real problem. It's those Gentiles. They worship idols. They sought power and hope through things other than God. And then Paul moves to eight things that we can assume he saw as characteristic of a divided church. And these are the primary focus of the list because of the context of the Galatian church. These next eight things. And probably the ones that the Galatians, and honestly many today, would scratch their heads and wonder how obvious it really is that these are works of the flesh. But most believe that these eight are Paul's focus because their meanings in the Greek are so close to each other that translating these eight words is very problematic. Paul literally could have used two and maybe three words to say what he says in this eight. But he seems determined to put as much stress as possible on these things because of the context of Galatia. And these eight are social sins. What are they? First, enmities or, or hostilities. Enmity is, is a general word. It refers to anything from full-scale war between nations to a falling out with a neighbor. Strife, the more common term that Paul uses, focuses on the contention that divides people from one another. Jealousy is the same word as zeal and seems to refer to a partisanship in a disputed area. Fits of anger are moments of outburst, moments of rage. You can picture uh, this coming from, from someone getting to the end of themselves from the first three that are mentioned. Overflowing and bursting out in anger, flashes of anger that are poured out on others, or an uncontrolled temper that leaves in its wake people who are hurt, people who suffer. Rivalries or selfish ambition is when someone or people seek to better themselves at the cost of other people. It doesn't focus on the good of others. It focuses on the good of self. It seeks its own good. Dissensions is when multiple people grab onto the same way of thinking and cause division with others. Divisions or factions refers to a sect of people. Again, very similar to dissensions. Envy is the desire to have what other people have. Now, those are the antisocial ones that he mentions. The eight that seem to be Paul's main emphasis. It's very important to understand that most of the eight, all but strife and jealousy, are plural in the Greek. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul's not saying that if you ever one time in your life burst out in anger, you're doomed. 
No, it means that this is a pattern. These are characteristics. And if they are, then you should be concerned. Again, Paul could have covered the eight with two, maybe three terms, but he doesn't. He doesn't so that he can paint more graphically the messy picture that is the church in Galatia. He ends this list with drunkenness and orgies or, or wild partying. Again, drunkenness is plural, referring to a regular practice. Wild partying was a part of ancient life and would provide a context where many of the other works of the flesh could flourish. And then notice at the end of the list of specific things, what does Paul say? And things like these. So lest we want to focus in and, and here's our list and this is the only list I need to worry about. And Paul's saying, no, you know what these things are. They're obvious. Here's a list and things like it. And he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He wants the Galatians and any other reader to pause and to tremble. If this is the pattern of life for you, then tremble. Ask yourself, does this life, this life that Paul describes here in the text, does this life fit within the new kingdom that has come in Christ? Is this what, what Jesus brought when he brought the kingdom? Now, before we get to the list of the fruit of the Spirit, the, contra the, the, the contrasting list from works of the flesh is the fruit of the Spirit. But here's what we want to have secure in our hearts. The gospel. The gospel brings healing and hope into distorted and disfigured human lives. Paul's writing to Galatia and describing Galatia in this text. He's writing to them because there's hope for them. And the hope is the gospel. There is hope and healing in Jesus Paul doesn't paint a hopeless picture here, but he says to the Galatians, choose life. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writing to Corinth, he says something very similar in, in verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What Paul's saying there is you have a new identity. Galatia, he doesn't write that specifically to Galatia, but Galatia, you have a new identity. In Christ, you have a new identity. That was your identity. 
such were some of you. That's what some of you were, but you have a new identity. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in Jesus. So stop acting like what you were and start practicing, start becoming in practice what you are now in Christ. But it is a battle. It's the battle that he describes in Romans 7 and in in Galatians chapter 5 here. It is a battle where the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And so Paul's saying, do battle. Walk by the Spirit. Choose life. Well, what is life? Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we get into this, we should see that the fruit of the Spirit is the reverse of the list of the works of the flesh. Whereas you have the flesh destroying fellowship in Galatia. Here the Spirit creates fellowship. It creates unity and it creates holiness. And I want to say something before we get to this list. Because in the context of the church that I was raised in and I was trained in and I was taught in. I have had and we can have this lovely perfectionist view of the people of God and this grim, they can do nothing right, they are depraved to the core view of the world. That if a person is not saved, they cannot do any good. And that's not the point of this text and it certainly is not truth. The text is written to the church. This is written to people who, who, who identify with Jesus, who do believe in Jesus. Describing people who are immersed in a lifestyle that displays the work of the flesh in the church. But also, there are a lot of people who don't know Jesus or love Jesus who do really good things. I was challenged by this recently when I was watching um, something about a person who is not a Christian. But I was challenged by how he loved people really well who are different than him. And how he overlooked offenses and how he helped people who were hurting. And I say that because we can have this mindset in the church that the bad list in this text is about the non-believers and the good list is about the believers. This is only written to believers. All of this, both lists are written to believers. And thinking otherwise is not loving and it's not true. God created man. And he created him in his own image. He graciously put his own image in us. And we need to learn to reflect on that. And appreciate it in others as we seek to love those who aren't like us. Who disagree with us. 
as we desire for the Spirit to work within us and help us to love our neighbor. This is not two lists of those that are outside the church and those that are inside. This is a list that is true of us as well. And what does Paul say of the fruit of the Spirit? First of all, he says that it is fruit. Singular. These are not fruits of the Spirit. Now, why do I say that? Yes, there are various uh, qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, but this is fruit. Whereas there are various works of the flesh that's written in the plural, fruit is singular. And, and so the point of that is we don't get to pick and choose the things that are strengths for us. This goes back to what I just said about how people in the world are often good. This is not a list that we get to pick and choose and, well, this is something I'm good at. And so this is the work of the Spirit in my life. No, 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 no. I, I don't get to say, well, I'm, 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 I'm kind and I'm gentle. So that's my focus of fruit of the Spirit. But I've, I've left love and, and self-control to others within the church. That's not the point here. That's not the picture. This is the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the one who is led by the Spirit. All of this is the fruit of the Spirit. You picture a tree that there's a fruit tree growing and you pull this singular fruit off of it and you bite into it and it's apple, orange, pineapple, and on and on and on. In the same way, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you bite into it, you get all of that. All of the works of the flesh, as you consider them, they look inward. But the fruit of the Spirit is outward facing. A love is not surprising to be the first. Love is the mark of new life in Christ. It's according to Paul. It's according to what Jesus says. Romans 5.5 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So this is God's love that we're reflecting. Paul just told the Galatians that the law is fulfilled through love. The, the Spirit produces that in us. Joy is the work of the Holy Spirit. We get joyful about certain things, but the Spirit produces joy in the life of a believer that is not circumstantial. It's the theme that we see in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Peace is the blessing that comes to believers through Christ. His peace is ours through the work of the Spirit. His peace. So what does the peace of Jesus look like? Well, you read the Gospels and you look when He's in difficult circumstances. What does He have? He has peace in His Father. Patience. As we can see with the others is the contrast to the works of the flesh. It's when someone endures difficult situations and people without losing their composure. Kindness. 
displaying God's kindness. God's kindness toward you was offering forgiveness even when you hated Him. We imitate Him whenever we are extending benevolence to those who are not loving in return. Goodness is when we're strengthened to live lives of moral beauty before the world. Faithfulness is loyalty and dependability that others can count on. Gentleness is how we are to interact with one another and with our neighbors. We're called and empowered by the Spirit to treat other people the way that Jesus treated other people. Jesus was characterized by gentleness and then self-control, the ability to restrain ourselves from works of the flesh. That could be broad. Again, these are all outward focused. Love and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness. They're most obviously outward. Those parts of the fruit of the Spirit require other people if they're going to be practiced. Other people have to be present for us to love, for us to be patient, for us to be kind, for us to be good, for us to be faithful. There has to be other people involved. Those those qualities look outward into the world and into our community. But the other three as well, joy. Certainly joy can, can be a private thing, but it longs to be shared with others. And when it is shared with others, it multiplies. Peace doesn't collapse into itself. It leaps outward into life. And of course, self-control can be private. There are certain things that we can have self-control in, in the private areas of our life, but it is altogether another thing to restrain passions or frustrations when other people are around and acting in ways that provoke us. So this is a community language. These are, these are not characteristics of fruit that we hide. They are for others. They're outward facing. The Spirit develops the fruit in the life of one who is led by the Spirit. But it never leads away from community. It's manifested within the body and within the world for His glory. And then lastly, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. To be one who bears the fruit of the Spirit, you must be crucified with Christ. There's this ongoing need to put to death the works of the flesh on a daily and moment-by-moment basis, but first and foremost, there is the need to be crucified with Jesus. That happens the moment we put our trust in Him. And the hope in that is clear. What Paul has written in Galatians. Our flesh then is nailed to the cross. All of those things that are attached to our old identity, the, the identity that clashes with the fruit of the Spirit, that's been nailed to the cross. And so there's hope in Paul saying, then walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Don't be led by the old, be led by the Spirit. 
And so I want to ask you as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper together today, Paul is holding out to these Galatians the choice of life and death. He's saying, look at these two ways of living and choose what is right, what is good. He's saying it's not difficult to look at them and see what is best, what leads to life forever. And then in, in looking and observing, know the path, the path of the Spirit. And it was paved by the very thing that we remember each and every week in the Lord's Supper. Christ died. His body was broken and His blood poured out for our sin. And we must be and have been, if we've trusted in Him, crucified with Christ. We must be. That is our only hope. Not trying to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit in our own strength, but relying on the Spirit. That's Paul's message here. Walk in the Spirit. Be dependent on the Spirit. Rely on the Spirit through the hope and the work of Christ on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. As we've already sung, Your mercy is more than the works of our flesh more than we can comprehend, more than we could ever understand. You're so good to us. And all of the things we see in this text, in particular the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, and how it's just a reflection of your perfections. And we're called by the work of the Spirit to just simply reflect how good you are. Your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness with us. Lord Jesus, your self-control as you walked among us. We praise you and we thank you for it. We ask that you'd help us, Lord. Even as we prepare to take the bread and the cup, help us to remember that ultimately our minds should not be on ourselves as we look to this text. They should be on you, Jesus. Your goodness and your mercy. So help us to look to you and to remember rightly what you have done and to seek you in that, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.